Hello and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Wednesday, April 5th, 2017. I'm your host as always, one Alexander Kalafi, joined today by two of my regular co-hosts. One, Zachary Miller from Alaska. Hello, Zach. Well, hello, everybody. I, uh, I, I bought something the other day. It's a new mouse pad. Oh, dear. <laughs> That is Asuka from Senran Kagura. It has wrist support. Now, are those filled with silicone? I don't know, but they're very squishy. Do they feel more like breasts than mouse pad things? <laughs> they feel like very heavy bags of sand. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's uh, Nintendo Boobs Report. Joining you, Zachary Miller. Also joined by one Donald Alexander Terrio from Canada. Um, I can't really follow Zach's thing up aside to say, hi, mom, happy birthday. <laughs> there you go. Ah, ah. She, she's These are my 20 friends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, this is this is Zach and his boob mouse pad, and then uh, we're we're talking about which which Japanese cartoon character we're gonna wife up in the new Atlas game. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got a show today. We have we have uh, an all right show today. We have some topics because it's a slow news show. We are going to be talking about some topics that wouldn't otherwise be interesting, and we're gonna find some sort of interesting twist to angle so some some kind of interesting angle we, we got more lego city undercover we got the new atlas games we got that nba playgrounds thing which i, I have some things to say about first i want to read some itunes reviews because we did not get to those last week as i said two weeks ago on nintendo news report i would read every itunes review that you guys put on our itunes page for nintendo news report now available on iTunes, and we have three, and I say three, new reviews. One is a four-star review from Jake H429, a great addition to the NWR podcast family. He calls it a great Nintendo podcast to listen to on the go. Thank you very much, Jake H. Now that one is just a simple one-line review, but we have two very detailed reviews. One is a five-star. And one is a two-star. Zach, which one do you want to hear first? I want to hear the two-star. The two-star one is more fun. and, it, and it actually, I imagine so. I, I would say critical. This one's Kobe Skills. Shows promise. Two stars. <laughs> the host, that's me, can be extremely negative and full of himself at times, like his opinion is law. Uh, the former, I would say, not necessarily true. The second, I would say, almost assuredly true at times. And at third, unfortunately, I apologize. Sometimes I may, I may be brash in the way I convey my opinions. But valid construction. Has this has this listener listened to RFM? <laughs> are, are we gonna Are we gonna be doing some inner inner are, fighting between? No, are we somebody under the bus? <laughs> I'm just well, being a dick. If you want some more experienced Nintendo World Report podcast reviews, go to like the 300 reviews that Radio Free Nintendo has, and you're going to see the very review you just gave of, of some, some very good people 
other people have given that review before, Zach. But the host can be extremely, extremely negative and full of himself at times, like his opinion is law. I get being real about Nintendo, but they tend to be too critical and negative at times. Example, they kept being down on Zelda before it released. At one point saying they think it would review okay. Then it comes out and it's tens all around. Oops! My response to that is that they did do a very poor job, in my opinion, of showing off Zelda before it came out and giving us an idea of what Zelda was going to be. I did not get the vibe through any Zelda promotional material that Zelda was going to be the free, brilliant open-air game that it was. And, as I've said on this show five times before, Donald, that you could probably point to different episodes, it's the same thing with Splatoon. Nintendo does a bad job of showing off great video games before it released. I would say the early showings of Super Mario Maker are just as weak. So, and yes. If, mm. And if they're, not show, if, they're having, if they're not showing off the games enough, they're going out and spoiling everything. See Pokemon, Mario 3. Yeah. Yes, oftentimes you may find me to be wrong in my early judgments of how a game may turn out. And I say that works to everyone's advantage because the worst I, the worse I say a game is going to be, the better it ultimately ends up being. <laughs> so you should really be excited for arms when it comes out in a couple months. <laughs> you, you haven't had your you'll be able to walk in and buy a Wii on day one moment yet, though, so I think we're good there. Yeah. Was that an RFN thing? That was a very early RFM thing with Dr. Matz. Yeah. So, there's there's show's promise from Kobe Skills. As far as critical and negative at times, I try to be better than just the, the Nintendo hater. That I strive for that, and I would say more that's often me. than not. That's, Zach, I would say you are the most critical person on the show, but that's not something I'm necessarily being critical about, I would just say. If we had to choose the most negative person on the show, it may be Zach. And, and you know what, Zach? That, that's why you're here. We need, we need a discriminating <laughs> voice like you. And Zach's also the most generous reviewer on the site, so what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah that's actually true. <laughs> that's the thing, Zach. You have, like, two scores. One in ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's either homie rollers or shovel knight. There is no middle ground. <laughs> it's best game of all time. <laughs> or one of the first utilizations of a 1 out of 10 that this site has ever had. <laughs> and in fact, you may have been the very first, but I can't confirm that. That might have been Don. There was one lower than me. I forget what one, though. Mm. Okay. Fantastic podcast by Wapibangi on March 31st. NNR is an outstanding podcast. The hosts are all very knowledgeable and have the ability to engagingly communicate that information clearly and without condescension. There is broad genre coverage, and the show should be enjoyable to both hardcore and casual gamers alike. The hosts also cons consistently strike an excellent balance between keeping both the industry and fan base accountable to reasonable standards of performance and expectations. Alex, that's me, does an outstanding job as MC, keeping the conversation structured and moving. Now, that's something I, I take uh, umbrage with. There is no structure to the show whatsoever. We, we have one open-air conversation. You know how Zelda's an open-air game? We have an open-air conversation. <laughs> it, it feels like we have one topic that we split into, like, 16 different topics. But, but thank you very much. I, 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 your, your, your lack of criticism is valid. 
keeping the structured and moving. I am a Patreon patron of the parent website partially because of this program, but also because hosts consistently put out great content there as well. Neil, Zach, that's you, and Alex regularly produce well-thought and written reviews. And Donald, and Donald, you're going to like this one, provides almost daily content of an excellent standard. His writing is both clever and funny, and he is a constant presence in the forums, interacting with users and listeners. I highly recommend NNR. Hell yeah. So there you go. Thank you so much, Wabbabangy. Thank you so much, JakeH429. And thank you so much, Kobe Skills. Whatever your review is of this show, keep it an honest review. Keep it a real review. And I will read it on this show. And whoever the panel is, that includes me, will respond to it in kind. So so feel free to leave reviews. It gives the show more prominence. And then you, you can hear your, your voice, at least in text form, appear on the show. So there's our right. next time you have to read it in a dramatic voice. <laughs> I'll try. And uh, shout out to Chariot Goblin who would review us, except he refuses to sign up for an iTunes account. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's Chariot Goblin. Stay strong. Our boy shows up to almost every stream, always has constructive stuff to say. There's a shout out for you, my friend. Okay, let's let's move on to some of this stuff. Warner Bros. clarifies the Lego City undercover situation. Now, as you remember, there was some word that the physical version of Lego City undercover would require 13 gigabytes of install storage, almost as if it was a PlayStation 4, Xbox One game, and that there was some word that Lego City undercover potentially was trying to... Skirt the, require the cost of a Switch cartridge, which... That is an ongoing concern that we'll pro that we might be able to address a little bit later on as well. Yes, absolutely. There was a big controversy for a game that should not have been that big of a deal because it was like a Zombie U style re-release, a Wii U exclusive that stopped being a Wii U exclusive and was gonna uh, was gonna release under the radar. Outside of the fact that it's releasing for fifty nine ninety nine in the new versions, but Warner Bros. did release an uh, issued statement. The, pa the information is listed incorrectly on the packaging of LEGO City Undercover for Nintendo Switch. Players who purchase a physical copy of LEGO City Undercover on Nintendo Switch at retail are getting the complete game and do not need to download additional content to enjoy the full experience. An internet connection is not required to play the game. The only internet connection suggested is to download the typical content update patch. And there will be a patch, but it will not be 13 gigabytes. Right. The patch did come out on Tuesday with the release of the game in North America. It was about half a gig. So a little bit larger than some of the eShop games I've got on my Switch right now, but not system breaking like a 13 gig one that was threatened. Yeah. Which is good because it kind of, it's kind of like a false alarm where because you emotionally went through the experience of this happening, you're prepared for when it actually happens in the next few months. Yeah. When, when a company releases a big game on a cartridge too small and forces you to install it to a system that for most people, basically all people, they won't even have more than 200 gigabytes. No. But, like um, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, um, the disappointing thing for me about this LEGO City thing is, according to thing, everything I've read, it doesn't it's not much improved over the Wii U. 
right? Uh, our Don Koeman's in the chat room right now, actually, and he's mentioning that it's uh, it's still a shaky frame rate, and the load times for the Switch version are, a from what we, from anecdotal reports that I've seen on uh, Twitter, are a little bit worse than what the PS4 version would be, which, again, that's the difference between reading off a hard drive, usually, and flash memory, so... It's hard, hard to imagine why that would be the case, but yeah, I'm not a. I don't develop games, so I, I can't say for sure what the core difference is between putting a game on a Switch Switch's internal memory or microSD versus putting it on a on like a hybrid hard drive like I've got on my PS4. Hmm. I'm tentatively excited for a twenty dollar version of this game because I never got to play Lego City Undercover and it does seem really good. My question it's worth is, twenty bucks. It's worth twenty. Okay. Yeah, it's a fun game. My question is, does the Nintendo-y stuff from the Wii U version carry over to the Switch version of the game? Because I think there was some Nintendo-y, Nintendo-y stuff, right? No, really? Yeah, yeah, there wasn't very much that I recall, and they they mentioned uh, some people did mention that like the color of the car is different from going from Wii U to Switch. So at this point, where it's multi-platform, it's more likely that the whatever whatever Nintendo stuff in there is either only in the Switch version or it's not present at all. And I'd bet more on the latter. Uh, more on the latter. Okay. I just I didn't know if there was going to be any Mario costume, and if there's not, then oh no, yeah, yeah. that makes and, that makes sense. Again, Don in the chat room is saying it, it it is in there, so it would probably only be on the Switch version at this point. Okay, cool. So there's WB clarifying the Lego City undercover situation. Fifty nine ninety nine is too much for that video game. Yep. I well, if it's any consolation, multi platform Lego games, uh, their price tends to do this very quickly. Yep. Yeah. Not this Tokyo Twilight bad, but this is published yeah. by Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, they're they're the publishers, and I think I saw a Lego Star Wars for twenty bucks on Black Friday last year. So give it a few, give it probably six months. It'll probably be you'll probably be able to snap it up pretty cheap at that point. The only reason Lego City Undercover stayed pretty much full price for most of its life uh, is because it was a Nintendo published game. Yeah, and even then, it went Nintendo Selects at some point. So yeah. it's yeah. twenty bucks on Wii U. Yeah. Okay, there's WB clarifying the Lego City undercover situation. Donald Terrio, there are two indie games you need to tell me about. I, I just wanted to do something very quickly. We, we had a discussion over email whether we should talk about this, but this is just my little drive-by point. Ukulele yeah. got like about Ukulele. a... Yeah, it came out. Well, it didn't come out. It's coming out next Tuesday. Reviews came out. And they seem to be in the sixes and sevens. You have people giving it as high as a nine. Jim Starling gave it a two. <laughs> like what this game is is a faithful recreation of N sixty four platformers. Not a to the letter. To the letter. Not a shovel knight style. Here's how you remember the game, but not how it actually played. Right. But this is what the game actually was, and what you actually played is. The gist of what I got, especially from Jim Sterling's review. If that's something you want, you may still look forward to this game. You, I got, mm. yeah, I got burned by DK64. I don't trust them to create a game that's that I would enjoy playing. No. Now, yeah, so I'm, although I'm probably going to wait for the Switch version because the other complaints that have come up in a lot of the reviews have been bugs and they have been patching these things very rapidly. I think I think there was actually a 
a patch that went out today on the Xbox One, even though game's not, as Alex said, it's not out until next Tuesday. So they are aware that there's like some frame rate issues and camera problems that they are working to resolve. So the Switch <laughs> version will essentially be the definitive version of the game when it comes out. The camera issues? I have, I have a, a small feeling that the camera issues... They just made a camera that was like all the other cameras from N64 games. If you didn't play Mario 64 when it first came out, and especially if you're sensitive to first-person cameras and old-style 3D cameras, I have a feeling that Mario 64 and that style of camera may make the game almost unplayable for you because I, I get motion sickness when I play Super Mario 64 now for oh, wow. too long. And then the cameras in all, in all those games are, are very harsh, archaic. Um, what other word am I thinking of? It's pioneering. You have to manhandle them the whole game. Yeah, and and but you don't have the tools you need to manhandle them. Yeah, they kind of do what they want. I hope it's good. I, I requested yeah. a review code for for my other. My, uh, my other gig, and I, I was not able to obtain a code of ukuleles, yeah. unfortunately. I cannot report, which is why we're cutting this conversation mm. more or less short. Although I do like the comment from Scenario in the chat room. is basically saying it's the Kickstarter system at work. It's a niche game for a niche audience who paid all in advance for it. That's true. And then it ended up even disappointing uh, per perhaps a fraction of those people. Yeah, it's not, not, quite, not quite muddy number nine levels of train wreck, but not Shovel Knight either. What successes have there been on Kickstarter? Because I can think of Shovel Knight, and I can think of maybe Shantae. one or two others. Shantae. But even Shantae was like a lesser Shantae to an extent, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the New River City game apparently was really good. Then that was yeah. Kickstarted. Oh, was that Kickstarted? I didn't know that. Not the, the, the one that came on 3DS, but the one that, that released on Steam, as Donald was about to say. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. But apparently that might be the better video game, surprisingly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But Donald, you were, you were telling me about some, uh, some, or you were about to tell me about some independent video games. Yeah, so a couple of a couple of things that got announced for release later on this year. Uh, Cave Story Plus, enhanced version of the WiiWare, PC Freeware, etc. game. Uh, Going to be dropping on Switch June 20th, so the Tuesday after E3, 30 bucks US. Ugh. That's that now. Granted, you know, switch cartridge costs and all that, but we're talking about a game that I believe it did get a, a physical release on 3DS as well. And I think it was four, was it 30 or 40 when it came out? Oh, seen Lord, I don't know. But you, I mean, you have to understand when it came out on 3DS, uh, they rebuilt the game in a new engine. They had all new art assets. It was a 3D game with 3D character models and. You could swap in the, uh, if you wanted to, you could swap out the 3D character models for the WiiWare sprites. Um, they did a lot. I mean, I understand why it cost as much as it did, but from what I gather, this Switch version is going to be kind of the WiiWare version, which yeah. was $12. $12, and then whatever cost you have, you incur with putting a game on a, on a Switch cartridge. Right. I think it's going to be a hard sell. Imagine making a video game that was so good that you released it for free and then people took such a liking to it 
that in the 10 years that followed it was released for 10 bucks and then it raised price to 20 bucks and then it raised price to 40 bucks and then it raised price to what it's still 40 bucks in this new release right it's 30 it'll be it'll probably be 40 for me but it's there's this stock market chart that could probably uh, graph <laughs> Cave Stories price over time, everything from free to six dollars to to forty dollars, maybe even higher in some version. Similar of that. Uh, similar chart to Binding Isaac, actually. Which is funny because if you're buying a thirty dollar version of Cave Story, you've probably played Cave Story many times before, and you you yeah. have such an affinity for this game. But the sequel, well, not the sequel, the successor, the spiritual successor to Cave Story by the same guy. His the next Squid Game? game is coming out next week, isn't it, Donald? Yeah, next next Tuesday on PSN. What's it called? One more time. Carol Blaster. Carol Blaster. Oh, that's right. That, that's on PlayStation Four. Didn't he also do that Squid Game on 3DS? Uh, night. <sighs> Shoot. Tip my tongue, I can't remember. You know which one I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, night. I know Night Sky. There was Night Sky as well, but that I think that was just Nicholas. That wasn't the same developer. Oh, okay. Oh, Ikatron. That's it, Ikatron. Yeah, and that was the same guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, what was this guy's name? It's Studio Pixel. 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 I. I, But I'm looking for Alias, I believe. Pixel. Amaya. Gameography. Ika Chan was 2000. Cave Story was 2004. But he had a hand in Guxt in 2007, Night Sky in 2011, then Pink Hour in 2014. But Carol Blaster is, uh, I, I would say, it looks like the first major product of Pixel since Cave Story in 2004, according to Wikipedia. So there you go. And that is coming out for may, maybe a third of the price that this cave story release is coming out for. Yeah. So. Yeah. I suppose if, if you're, if you're looking for that physical collection though, it's, you know, you, you get, you get used to paying a little bit of a premium. Look at everything limited run games does. Mm-hmm. They have I mean, they put up mutant muds for 30 bucks, I think. And that's what, 10 bucks on 3ds. Yeah. If that might be eight. And then there's the fall, right? Yeah, and then the fall, the the fall part two, which I th- was a follow up to a 2014 game that I know Zach was really high on, even though I think it crashed on you at the end of the game. It crashed a lot. The combat made it crash. Yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, a good the, game. Se- yeah, the sequel to that originally was being targeted as a Wii U game, but like 98 percent of the big name indie games that were announced for Wii U at the end of its life, it's going to switch, and it will be out in the probably in the fall. It's ironically enough, it's third quarter yeah. is what they're saying. I look forward to it. It, it um, the the end of the first game made it seem like. Did either you play the fall? No, although I heard I, Giant Bomb gush about it on their podcasts. Yeah, I I'm, I got it. I think in one of the humble bundles. I meant to play it. It's just it, it's sitting in the backlog with all the Shantae games. Okay, well, uh, at the end of the game, like you know, you have your uh, spoiler uh, alert. And then no, no, I, it's not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. Okay. <coughs> Never mind. You have, spoiler. you have a, you know, when you go to your sub screen, you have a, you know, like your list of abilities. And at the end of the game, there's, you know, a couple blank spaces that look like they could be filled. So I wonder if that was like your save was going to transfer into the next game. You know what I mean? And, and continue on. But if that's not going to happen, if it's going to switch. 
Yeah, because I know I know it was on P it was on PC before, and I seem to think it was on a PlayStation platform. I just don't know if it was PS4. Because that it's a. Uh, I it's... don't know. I just know it was on Steam and uh, Wii U. Hmm. For sure, that's all I know for sure. You know what would be a cool mechanic for a video game that you just gave me the idea for, Zach? And I'm sure this has happened in some video game because there have been a lot of video games. But but imagine this. There's a game that comes out. It's an RPG. And then in the sequel, there are two mixes of the game. One, there's the level one onward, the same progression as any other RPG. But also, if you carry over your, your save from the previous game, it just continues the level scale. So let's say you make it to oh. level 50. It starts at level 50 and gives you a game of, of good balance that's basically uh, cool. Super Mario Lost Levels that just continues the game, and there's two different mixes for whether you carry over a save or not. I don't know if That'd anyone's cool. ever done this. It's just, it's just something I thought of that that might be cool. Because here's the I, thing. I, you, you, have, you have games like God of War 2, where you have this super powerful Kratos at the end of God of War, and their conceit is just, up. Oh, we threw away all his powers because uh, story. Right. And then if a game actually says, no, 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 you can totally maintain everything you had in the previous game, and here's just a continuation of it, I think that would be cool. That'd be cool. I think that, I wonder if, I'm surprised the Dragon Fantasy games, they, they may do this already, but if not, I'm surprised they wouldn't, considering I know in the sequel you start out at like level 30. Hmm. That would make sense. I, I, I hope a game has done it, or I hope a game hasn't done it, and I just... I only played the sequel game. to that, so I, I didn't realize... Mm. Huh. Well, okay. There, there's our independent video games. I want to talk about NBA Playgrounds, which is coming to Switch in May. Is, do, yep. is there just a uh, month announced for this? Yeah, ne next, just May is what got announced today. They put a trailer out for it. It shows uh, Alan Iverson going to town on Fools, and it's going to hmm. be a two-on-two -two arcade style game. Think NBA Jam or, or later NBA Street games. Yeah. That's speaking language right there. But it's not, Zach. It's not, unfortunately, because have you seen the trailer for this, Zachary? No. Okay. I, I thought the same thing when I saw the trailer for this first, because I think NBA Street V3 is an amazing, amazing GameCube game that they should do more NBA Street games. Uh, people 1, 2, and 3 NBA Streets, all amazing video games in their own way. And I think NBA Street is something that they did kill off before its time. Saber Interactive is trying to bring this back. They're trying to bring back NBA Jam and NBA Street at the same time because it looks like NBA Jam because you have the big heads, but in a more modernized style. And also, there's like the tricky moves that are clearly using the right stick to go, okay, here's this, here's how you do this trick, here's how you do this trick. So it looks like a fusion of NBA jam and nba street the problem is that the style of that game doesn't look very good at all it does not look very appealing at all and oh. worse than that it's made by saber interactive the fine makers of the halo master chief col uh collection r.i.p.d do you remember r.i.p.d that weird yeah. game i played that, that. Uh, wasn't it like a wasn't that regularly like a buck on flash sales for a good reason donald terrio Saber Interactive made that game. Oh, I'm playing. I'm thinking of a different game. Sorry, no, I haven't played. Every, that. Every, everything looks all wrong with this, and I won't give them the benefit of the doubt. But if it's good, and I have to eat my lunch with this, hey, <laughs> we'll get to play a good video game. 
yeah, it's it'll be twenty bucks. Um, and actually, we have a follow up from uh, what you mentioned earlier with the saves carrying over, Alex. Uh, mm. Devbird Devbird one in the chat is saying that the White Knight Chronicles games, the PS3 RPGs developed by Level Five, they actually did that. That's great. That's great. That is that, that, that's that's, a fine idea that's about, for a game. That's about the only thing I could recommend uh, White Knight Chronicles two for. Because I recall the second one was not that good. Donald, from what you've played, did those games like adequately do what I described? Uh, from from my from whatever call, yeah, they they did that. And like, I said, unfortunately, the second White Knight Chronicles game, level five, I like it, but that one was kind of a mess. Okay. <laughs> okay. And be at playgrounds. There you go. Moving on, we did not really talk about Atlas announcing remakes of Strange Journey, Shin Megami Tensei, Strange Journey, nor Etrian Mystery Dungeon 2. Donald, did you play Mystery Dungeon uh, 1? Uh, I I don't, because the first roguelike I think I ever would say that I liked was Has-Been Heroes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, and that and the... (laughs) There are some character designs in the Etrian series that I'm not a big fan of, so I have basically avoided that game. I did play Strange Journey, um, got the version that had the busted soundtrack, and very hard game, but I don't think I was ready at that point for a SMTS dungeon first-person dungeon first-person game. Mm. Etrian Mystery Dungeon. I have a copy of that because. It was there was a, a wonderful time in Atlas when they would just send us codes for 3DS games like five at a time, and we would just have <laughs> all these codes to just spread around. And then like RFN would get one, the reviewer would get one, Neil would get one, and sometimes he'd just throw a bone to someone else. And then like Zach, I think I think you remember that may have happened once or twice. Like you may have gotten a Vita game or something. Yeah, yeah. This thing. So that's how I got Etrian Mystery Dungeon. I have not played it. Though it does look a lot like the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games. I know it's made by Spike Chunsoft. Or I'm almost 100% positive it's made by Spike Chunsoft. Yeah, they do all the Mystery Dungeons. Right. uh, Shin Megami Tensei Strange Journey is the mysterious 3DS game that Atlas was talking about when they announced the HD project for the Switch at the January event and how there was that weird 3DS project that was after the fact. Strange Journey Hmm. is part of the mainline Shin Megami Tensei series. So you have Shin Megami Tensei 1, 2... You you have like Mega Ten, but Shin Megami Tensei, Shin Megami Tensei 2, there was Mega Ten 3 Nocturne, but it was either right before or right after uh, Strange Journey came out which is a spin-off, but also very much in the same series. And many people regard it as an excellent, excellent Shin Megami Tensei game with a great story that was very hard and very classic. And a 3DS remake, I think, would do a lot of service, especially since the Shin Megami Tensei brand is probably stronger in the West Hmm. and probably in the East than ever before. With t- you have everything from the Persona games finally reaching an almost mainstream audience to Shin Megami Tensei 4 finally hitting an audience that the other Shin Megami Tensei games never hit in the West to Tokyo Mirage Sessions introducing at least a handful of people to the world of Shin Megami Tensei through Fire Emblem. There's a lot of potential for this, and I'm going to play this when it comes out probably 
in November because Deep Strange Journey is going to be coming out this fall. We should note that this is like this is a, an expanded remake, like many expanded Atlas remakes. Yeah, I think your your record breakers or you're overclocked from De- from the Devil Survivor series, but um, yeah, and they and or even what they're doing with the uh, the Etri- or sorry the Radiant Historia remake that's mm. going to be oh, yeah. enhanced with the extra extra quests and things like that. And like like you said, I think a lot more people are ready for a a full Mega Ten game because I mean SMT four did great. Apocalypse, I don't know what happened with that, just because of the there were some mitigating circumstances with Atlas releases on 3DS, but I really hope you're right and we are playing something from Atlas on 3DS in November. I think we should be. Uh, okay, maybe it's not going to be November. Like, I don't know what their turnaround time on this is going to be. Because Atlas has very wildly varying turnaround times on their games. It's sometimes a year or multiple years, and sometimes it's just a couple months. It, it, it always depends. It's always a shot in the dark when it comes to Atlas. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, fi- I figured out what that uh, the free uh, download that went out to a lot of people that I got was. Mm. Either you want to guess, it's a Vita game, and I downloaded it and started playing it and said, this is too much. Oh, it's Dragon's Dungeon. Crown. Dungeon? Dungeon Travelers. No, but... You're kind of on the right track. It's a card game. No, it's not a card game. Yes, it is a card game. Wait, if it's not Dragon's Crown and it's not Conception, I can't think of what you're thinking of. Shit, man, I love Dragon's Crown. Uh, it's uh, Monster Mon piece. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I deleted that one. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah. But yeah, Atlas has some has some things of their own to worry about right now, especially considering the little news that they put out related to their probably their biggest game ever this mm. week. This uh, is this one right here. Is this oh yeah. Well, yeah. look at you. What what happened was I ended up getting a code for this from Atlas's PR, but I ended up getting I ended up securing one of these editions, and I was like, oh, I've never had a physical edition of the persona games before and i've always wanted one so i figured i'd just bite the bullet on the 80 dollars. and now i have a sealed copy of this that i don't know if i want to open it or not but i'm probably not going to open it what's in there it's okay here's what it's got it's you know the cat from persona 5 the the teddy replacement so okay there's there's, there's, a, there's a cat the mascot animal okay much of that you get a school bag with the school's logo and blazon 64 page hardcover art book Physical soundtrack CD, steelbook, game, and maybe one other thing. Actually, no, that's that's probably it. And the uh, like, the soundtrack CD. Yeah. Bag. Yeah, I think you pretty much covered covered yeah, the just. Yeah, it, it comes it comes in a cool box. <laughs> and you get the steelbook version of the game too. Right. All that stuff. Oh, that's nice. Yep. Yeah, but and I, I will disclaim that I I did get a code as well for that. Um, but Atlas, when Atlas sent us, sent me, when I got the email with the code, there were some pretty, what I thought were okay, sensible, but maybe a little strict restrictions on what I could do as far, what I could do if I was set up fully to live stream it. Like you can't stream after a certain date in the game because it runs off a calendar again, and you can't show certain elements of the story. And then Atlas Japan apparently mandated that those requirements were included for the shipping version of the game starting on Tuesday. 
which um, Atlas, you, you do realize that the starting point for a lot of Persona fandom and thus a lot of Megaten fandom in the West was a 153 part Let's Play that Giant Bomb did, right? Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. And more than that, the most shocking thing of all this is how Atlas had a thinly veiled threat against anyone who would attempt to live stream it at any point in the future saying, hey, we don't recommend you you, you break these rules because if you do, the, the copyright monster is going to come after you. Oh. And then and in order to cover their own asses, they're like, Oh, but we're our, we're gonna we're, we're we're our policies are constantly evolving, which means our, don't our get corporate overlord, our corporate yeah. overlords in Japan are saying we have to do this. Please don't come after us for it. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. You should address your concerns to Atlas Japan since they're since these rules were in place in in Japan, and Atlas Japan is also the same people who region locked the only PS3 game. The only region locked PS3 retail game ever was Persona 4 Arena because of the threat of people importing the American version. Wow. Because it had Japanese VA. And there's Japanese VA in Persona 5. So, and it's, it's free. So basically anybody could theoretically could import the game and get it that way, except for the fact that, you know, the game came out in Japan in September. So if they're worried about spoilers, I'm sorry, the statute of limitations already ran out on that game because it came out in Japan six, six, seven months ago. Yeah. I understand why they're doing what they're doing because a lot of, to a lot of people, this, the value of a spoiler like determines how much they want to play this game. Giant Bomb made the point on their podcast this week, like, hey, to some people like to atlas they might see this as as uh pirating because because you're watching a game that's mostly story in a lot of sense it's but that wasn't the argument they made that's just that's my what that might be what atlas is thinking there's a balanced way i think you could do this which would be be like hey if you have let's plays and you're going to show the ending of this game make it part 153 don't make it X happens, and here's the moment where this happens. Those we will issue copyright strikes against, or whatever. If, if, they, if they made rules like that, where, like, no overt spoilers that are just spoilers for the sake of spoilers in YouTube, and no just boss fights. Everything has to be in numbered Let's Plays where you can have a stylized title, but it can't be extremely overt into what plot points and plot spoilers are revealed. I think that might have been a softer, more smart way of doing it. Because Giant Bomb was saying, Giant Bomb, who made maybe the greatest Let's Play that's ever been Let's Played of Persona 4, they said, hey, I'm really glad we didn't actually seriously consider doing a Persona 5 Let's Play because Atlas made it basically a nightmare in order to make anything like that happen. Even if Giant Bomb just did it for premium users on their website, it still could have came back to bit them because people could use copyright is copyright. People could easily extract that video and throw it up on YouTube anyway. Like I don't think there, I don't recall there being an official playlist of the endurance run, but there's definitely plenty of unofficial ones. And what I don't, because I mean Atlas is owned by Sega now. And Sega was pretty loose with what they did with Yakuza Zero. You could share a lot of that on social media. In fact, that's 
that's all I saw on Twitter for a week and a half around the time that that game came out was, you know, yeah. Yakuza Zero Clips. But this is Sega is also the channel that would run takedowns on people, as pointed out by Jim Sterling today in his Jimquisition that went up because of this, that Sega would run, would run copyright, you know, run DMCA takedowns on videos that would compete with their own official stuff. So who knows what appealing to Sega would do in this situation? Yeah. No. Who knows? So, so that's, that's what we have to say about that side of Persona 5. But to talk about the very video game, very quickly, in a non-spoilery capacity, Donald has played over... I, I've played 20 hours of this game, and Donald is a little further than me, which means he's played over 20 hours. I, I'm, I'm between the second and third part of that game. Donald is just starting the third part of that game. I I am just like I am just about to fit, to go after the third dungeon, right? Third full okay. dungeon, I guess. That, that, that's a fair way to put it. <coughs> There's a valid conversation to be had about Persona Five on a Nintendo podcast, because as we were talking about before the show, Donald, Persona Five takes a lot of cues from a lot of recently released Nintendo Shin Megami Tensei games. For instance. Obviously, it takes a ton of cues from Persona 4. In fact, if anything, I would say this is a very safe sequel to Persona 4 in a lot of ways. But in addition to being a safe sequel to Persona 4, it takes a buttload of cues from other Shin Megami Tensei games, especially recently released ones. For instance, all the style and all the story stylings of Tokyo Mirage Sessions, this game picks up so much of Tokyo Mirage Sessions and its story and its style and its flair is Tokyo Mirage Sessions taken to the next level. Yeah, the, the only, like, they both have settings in modern Tokyo. The only difference is Tokyo Mirage Sessions, all the NPCs you don't talk to are rainbows. In Persona 5, they're, at least on the PS4, they're actual people. Right, right. In addition to that, instead of it being the... If you've ever played Shin Megami Tensei and you know that you have to negotiate with demons to put them on your team, which is the coolest part of Shin Megami Tensei 4 in, in a lot of ways, this game does that Shin Megami Tensei uh, classic mechanic. Except it's like an easier version of that. So it, it's it's clearly made to soften players and sort of welcome them into the gameplay of, of the much darker and more badass Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, you can if you once you learn if you check a tutorial, you can see there's a way to hundred two hundred percent of the time get what you want from a demon. Right, Persona Five, cool. Donald. If I had to give a qualitative thought on this game, twenty hours in because twenty hours in is probably not even a fourth of the way into this game. It's probably like a fifth or so. Yeah, Persona Five is basically what GTA 5 was to GTA 4, Persona 5 is to Persona 4. So Persona 4 clearly set a template, a clear template that Persona 5 is following. Same thing GTA 4 did to GTA 5. But what Persona 5 did is it adds heists, which is what Grand Theft Auto 5 did, which is, which is, which that's one thematic side. But beyond that, Persona 5 is a much bigger expanded version of Persona 4 that takes everything Persona 4 did and takes the stuff that maybe people may have criticized and it expands it. You don't like the uh, the dungeons? Persona 5 has excellent dungeons. 
really genuinely excellent stylish dungeons you don't like the way that story may take a backseat to the character interactions at time well it's the other way around this time the characters are still really strong in persona 5 but the story in persona 5 is easily the strongest of the persona 3 4 5 trilogy in yeah. fact I, and... I, would, I would say that persona 5 like even a couple dungeons in there are some affecting moments that make you reflect on yourself as a person. Yeah. And if you're concerned that, you know, the time to actual, you know, RPGing is if you're worried about it after four, because four got off to a really slow start, you technically do a dungeon in Persona, in Persona 5, before you go to school for the first time. Yes. Yes. Donald, you're right in that there's much more of the actual combat. What I will say, Persona 4 gives you a little more breathing room at the beginning of the game to sort of real easier way in. In Persona 5, there's about 10 straight hours of visual novel that you have to do where you don't have that much freedom and you're going from story beat to story beat to story beat. And it's great story and it's necessary story in order to set up as a really, a really big game. But it's set up sort of does get in the way of what makes Persona games great, which is the freedom associated with Persona games of some some days you go dungeon crawling, some days you hang out with friends, some days you go ch take on this this massive burger to, to get your guts stat up, some, some <laughs> days you read a book. That's, that's when Persona is at its most brilliant. And Persona 5 gets there. It's just, it takes a while to get there. And... It suffers from that problem in Persona 4, yeah. I, I would argue. Yeah. And I think one of the criticisms of the game that most struck me, honestly, is the fact that for as many people came in with Persona 4, I think the first time they would have played that would have been Golden. And I... I man, this game would be so perfect on the Switch. I hate to, I hate to sound like I'm poor-begging, but I am seriously poor-begging. Atlas, please... I, I know Persona is like the PlayStation series now, but to have this have like Persona Five Crimson or whatever on the Switch, so that I can play it, because like I have to, I, I go to work and I'm actually temp I have a PS3 right near my desk that I use for work. I am yeah. probably buying the PS3 version of Persona Five this weekend, just so I can do the cross use the cross save that it has now. To oh, nice. play, to be able to play the game in my bedroom because I can't get the remote play to work in my apartment for whatever oh. reason. And this is a game that I can go. I would really love if it's slow to hop in, maybe do a social link, you know, maybe go out and have a cup of coffee or whatever to boost my knowledge. But I would love to be able to do that portably. And right now, the closest thing I can do with that is hook up the ps3 mm. yes i think a handheld version of persona 5 would be good i would there's the the loyalist in me wishes it was on playstation vita because golden was so good on playstation vita but the switch is the vita now <laughs> Yeah. So, so if it's going to be on any platform, it's going to be on the Switch. I, I don't necessarily care if it ends up on a Nintendo platform or not. The game is really beautiful on the big screen. 
and Switch version is obviously going to be less powerful, which would be the one downside. But more people should play a really strong Persona game because Persona 5 really does come across to me as Persona 4, but bigger and probably better. Yeah. And uh, Rizzo, in case you're curious, I work from home. So my my the where I'm recording now, the TV is literally right in front of me. With the PS3 hooked up to it. Donald, do you have any uh, you have any opinions of Persona Five that I didn't necessarily cover? Well, aside from aside from, I really wish I could be playing it at all times. Um, sure. I I think I mean there's been some confusion about the care about the localization with the game, but I aside from you know I'm still not used to this. They, they had to recast a recurring series character because his Japanese VA died in like 2010. And I'm still getting used to it. Oh, are, are we talking about... Um, Big nose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a spoiler, but, but we won't get into too many specifics. His voice is very jarring. It yeah. doesn't fit. And I, I wouldn't mind a version of that voice actor that does fit better. For instance, Chie and Teddy when they got new voice actors for Persona 4 Golden and beyond, those are definitely an improvement. <laughs> those are way better castings of, of those characters. I think I think the new Chie is the best Chie. I, I think Arby's will disagree with you, but care, go on. <laughs> Maybe you're right. In this game, that character and Morgana, their voices. I'm having a hard time coming to grips with so far. I, I would say potentially slightly weaker voice acting on a couple specific characters in this game. In fact, I, I might even say I'm struggling to like Morgana as, as a character overall. Well, I mean, I, I had trouble liking Teddy, especially in some of the spinoff games, because he got... They, they made him real annoying in those in those spinoffs. Those spinoffs were kind of annoying in their own way. Yeah. I, eh, I liked I like dancing all night, but you, you did like dancing all night. I remember that. I would play a Persona Five fighting game or Persona Five dancing all night. I'm sure there's going to be one. <laughs> uh, yeah, and but the so far I think, keeping in mind I'm still not that far in Zelda, but I have a hard time imagining this Persona 5 not being number one at the end of the year for me. Well, Nintendo News report for this winter 2014 episode saying, (laughs) you are a slave, want emancipation? Uh, Must conclude. That is our show. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget, review us on iTunes and all the reviews I see I will read on a following week of the show and respond to them personally. So The only only reason... The only reason I didn't do it last week is because my iTunes store, I don't see half the reviews. Right. And then also, it's it's good to get the, the biggest cast possible. I mean, if it was you three and it wasn't me, then that would be fine. But now that we have three people on this week, I feel better about reading these reviews. But if you review us on iTunes, the soonest week I possibly can, I will read that review on the show for you. Beyond that, well, I'm sure we're going to be talking about a little more Persona 5 in the future, at least in a Nintendo responsible context. If there's a Nintendo Direct, direct not Direct, Direct, <laughs> some of you, a, a, a Nintendo Dorito Direct, 
on a Nintendo Direct some year. We will surely cover it if that happens next week or any week. Um, I'm sure there's going to be more Nintendo news coming out. We got Mario Kart in a couple weeks. What I'm saying is, oh, yeah. you're probably going to get another show of nothing. <laughs> Although, I think, I mean, we said Mr. Shifty's supposed to be due out in a couple, in mid-April, so hopefully that's, hopefully that, maybe that's next week. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. I played the beta for Mr. Shifty, and then that's probably a much earlier build of the game, but it was, it was chugging hard. There's a part of me that has a hard time believing Mr. Shifty is going to hit its April release date, but mm. I've been wrong hey. about a lot of stuff before. Graceful Explosion Machines tomorrow, and it looks real good. I need a really good. I, and actually, tomorrow's a really good day for shoot 'em ups on 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 Nintendo consoles because you've got Graceful Explosion Machine. Uh, the uh, the the arcade archives game tomorrow is is a shooter. I just can't, Awakening something off. I can't remember. It's off the top of my head now. And Superstar Soldier, if you still have your Wii U hooked up, is coming out on the VCA. Is is that the sequel to Solar Striker? That is the oh, sequel to Star Soldier. <laughs> Remember, yeah, Solid Super Star Soldier is a hell yeah, is a Solar Striker. A, yeah, I've been wanting them team. to bring back Solar Striker for ten years. <laughs> Sorry, Donald, we're talking about Solar Striker now. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, Al- Alpha Mission Two. Thank you, Don, for reminding me there. And Super Star Soldier, the sequel to one of the great shooters of the NES, which was a TG sixteen game, all coming out on Nintendo systems tomorrow, along with Graceful Explosion. So. We're in for a really good weekend of shooting if you're not okay. playing Persona 5. Solar Striker definitely joins the family of genuinely obscure Nintendo games that aren't necessarily guaranteed trophies in Smash Brothers games. I was I was irritated that Solar Striker never came out on uh, 3DS Virtual Console. It's a real blank spot because that was a launch game, and I loved the hell out of it. It's, what was that Wii U singing game? Was that Sing Party or was that Sing? Sing Party. Okay, that also Sing is joins Dancing Pigs. So Sing Party and Solar Striker, two Nintendo franchises that are that were forgotten by time. Yep. There you go. Not by me. And then Miyamoto's Mole Game. That that that, that can be the Mole Mania. Mole Mania. It's okay. a pretty good game. Yeah. That's our show. Thank you so much for watching slash listening. Get us on iTunes. Nintendo News Report, Patreon, patreon.com slash NWR. Support the website that supports our existence. Zach Miller, Z Miller, Z-M-I-L-L-E-R 1902 on Twitter. That is at ZMiller1902. We are also Donald Mick, at Donald Mick, D-O-N-A-L-D-M-I-C-K as well as at NFR Podcast, Nintendo Free Radio. That is a uh, cousin slash sister slash Donald's other show. Yes, Donald. And I I posted not one, but two Game of the Year shows over the weekend on that feed, so go check that out as well. There you go. <laughs> two Game of the Year shows to uh, to help you out in mid-April. That, that famous... <laughs> of the year. It, it, it was April Fool's Day. I had no choice. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> I'm at Kulafia, that's at C-U-L-A-F-I-A. That is our show. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.